Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and today I am joined by the Green County Sheriff, Brad Snyder. Brad, thanks so much for coming on again for a third time. Well, thanks for having me for a third time. Yeah, you are now tied with the mayor for the most appearances on the podcast. Where does that rank in your level of accomplishments? You know, this is uh, probably above being elected sheriff. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, Tell me about that, man. So, look, first time you came on, you were in a police uniform. You were, I can't remember, captain? I was captain, Captain. yes. Uh, Came on, you're captain. And I was like, let's talk about you being sheriff. I can't do it, man. I'm in the uniform. So then we brought you back on. You were not in the uniform. You're still a a police officer, still a captain, but you were able to talk about your run as sheriff. Yes, because I was off duty. Because you were off duty, which... Here's a question for you. Is that like in the handbook or something? What is that? That's that, a, that's an ethics issue, and that's also a policy issue with the city. So Okay. So, so it's, it's not just of, like your own conviction. That, that's exactly. Actually, okay. And, and I guess maybe my own conviction as well. I, I don't want to mix the two. So I understand. Yeah, that's, a, that's an ethics issue with uh, when you're running for office. And then, like I said, it was a policy issue as well with the city. Okay. Well, and now you're back, and you're looking great. And that sheriff is that a new is that a new look or is that like old school sheriff uniform that we're we're rocking there? What is that? This is new old. All right, on man. New yeah. old is in like it's a throwback. Like brought well, it back. Th- this is typically your uh, historically, you ah. know, sheriff tan type situation. And and with Green County, I, I like to incorporate the color green just for that makes sense. Yeah. So so the green pants with the tan stripe. It just uh, it 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 works. Do it, you think Orange County sheriffs wear orange pants? Well, that'd be bad when you're talking about a deputy sheriff because that orange is kind of the, the, the jail color. Yeah. Very good. yeah, very good point. So, um, so I want to talk about sheriffing. Okay. Um, you're doing a great job, by the way, well, of directing traffic every single morning. That's that's something you brought back. That was Dan Langston back in the day, right? Yes. And he kind of started that whenever he was the he sheriff. Did. He did. I'm dropping my kids off at least three of the five mornings. My wife, the others, are doing a fantastic job. I feel stressed out for you but you seem like you're so calm, man. You're doing a great job. I know that you're 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 knocking it out of the park there. Tell me what it's been like though uh, to 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 be the sheriff. And actually, before we even get into that, tell me what it was like to run for sheriff. Like most people, we will never have that experience of running for office. What is that like? It's stressful. It really is. Um, you know, I like to talk to people. I like to to be out and about. That's just who I am. And uh, but it's a whole different spin. When you're running for office, you are asking for people's votes. You mm-hmm. are you are wanting to represent them in whatever office that may be. Mine, obviously, is the sheriff. And so uh, it, it's it's stressful, too, because when you're running, a lot of folks, they want you to be at these different events. Who's they? Like, just the, the, just, the voters? Like, just the voters or, yeah. or, or different groups. Hey, come, you know, yep. come visit us here. Come do that, and which I'm super glad to always do. The issue that you run into is there's only so much of you. Yeah. You know, uh, and in my case, I still had a full-time job. Mm-hmm. I had my own family. I'm running for office. And at the time, I was still on the Green County Tech School Board. Oh, so, wow. So you have a whole lot of responsibilities there, and, and you, you get to the point where you, you spread yourself pretty thin. And uh, How many hours were you probably, between work, school board, uh, campaigning, how many hours total do you think you gave to all that? Oh, I, I could not tell you. I just know I was really tired. By you the weren't time stopping, it, probably. I was not stopping. And, and I was really tired by the end of it. And yeah. so, uh, thankfully, my family was just rock star, They were rock stars to allow me to do that. 
and uh, and they joined with me oftentimes. Yeah, that's great. Would you say that um, when you were campaigning, uh, running for this position, like? Did it seem like, you know, because it seemed like from when, when you're looking on news, looking on social media, not necessarily at the local level, but definitely in the national level, it seems like there is, when you put your name out there, that you're always going to face some sort of criticism of, of some kind. Did you experience that at all at the local level or not so much? You know, probably not so much to my, to me personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I think probably in the background that was that was going on. Uh, anytime you get into political races, and especially when you have opponents, and I had three, uh, and and that that in itself was a a very pleasant experience in the fact that you know there was not any mudslinging in our race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was very thankful for that. I did not want that to occur, and and that's exactly how that went down. And so that made things a whole lot easier. Um, but but I think you still get you get as you should be questioned or. You know they want to know your thoughts on certain things, and 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 that's all fine. But but you get some that don't agree with you, mm-hmm. and and they'll make that known. And 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 I was fine with that too. I can I'm one of those guys that can agree to disagree, sure, and, and still be your friend. So I can't remember was it before, after, in the middle of the campaign when you got your picture with Steve Franks? It was after. Yeah, I love that. And basically, it's just it was highlighting what you were saying is, hey, we both ran a clean campaign. And yes. we have great respect for one another and we're still going to be friends, that sort of thing. Absolutely. I, that's exactly the way it should be. Absolutely. That said, I know you had a lot of respect for Steve and what he did, but anytime that you move into being a sheriff, like, uh, or any position, like you take over a new position, there's always some things you want to change. Oh, sure. What were some of those things? And I'm curious, like, have you been able to move in that direction yet? Being three months in, a little over three months in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were things that when I came in that I wanted to address right off the bat. Uh, uniforms was one of them. We're, we're kind of in a in a lull there just from a supply chain mm-hmm. uh, issue, things of that nature. But um, there were some changes I wanted to make with the jail. I wanted to start looking at the uh, jail control systems and the, the camera system. Uh, that's a pretty big undertaking in itself. And what so, do you mean by that? The uh, control system. So the, the the jail controls are in a in what's called a central pod, or we have a north pod and a south pod too. Um, but that's the controls that pop the doors, adjust the the temperature, uh, adjust water flow. They mm-hmm. can do all okay. that in, in those pods, and so um, those were somewhat being problematic prior to uh, coming into office. And so my goal, because that's a safety issue. That's a safety issue for not only my employees, but also for the inmates. Mm. So to get that squared away, I've been working on that for the entire time I've been in office so far. That's kind of a a long, uh, Mm drawn-out procedure. So uh, implementing my policies, uh, my policies and procedures, you know, that's a huge undertaking. Uh, You get attorneys involved out of Little Rock. Uh, They review those things. We make corrections, whatever. So, So it's just... It's a hurry up and wait a lot of times on yeah. on the projects that you want to get done, uh, and that's important to just for people to hear because I think it's you know I, I do some work with um, with Allen Engineering a couple hours a week, a few hours a week, and they've got gosh I think it's like sixty million dollars in uh, basically like 
sales that but they can't build the stuff right like so it's right. like on the law like on the books right now like 60 million dollars worth of equipment they need to build but can't do it well they absolutely know how to do it they have a vision for doing it but there's some things that are just outside of their control and sure. i think it's important especially three months in that people know those things are true in whether it's you're the mayor the sheriff whatever oh, else yes. like oh having a vision for it wanting to do it but not that not being done yet doesn't mean like oh I really didn't have that as a vision. Like there's things that you have to depend on outside of your own control, right? Oh, it would be a wonderful world if we could snap our fingers and Absolutely. it would be done. Yeah. But that's just not the way it works. Yeah. And so you have to be patient. You have to, you have to put the, uh, you have to go through the paces, go through the procedure, and just ride it out. Yeah. So what else is you now three months in, are you looking at you're like, these are some things that I want to bring changes to. And then also I'd like to hear just kind of like, what do you think is going really well? Well, I, I made it clear to my deputies that I wanted to make sure that we were covering the County. Uh, you know, you have, you have communities like Delaplane. Delaplane's in the very extreme Northwest part of our County mm-hmm. uh, borders up against uh, Clay County and Randolph County, both. And so, you know, I've, I made it very clear that I wanted us to be seen in those in those areas and be out on the gravel if you look at my truck right now it's dirty Hmm. uh because i i enjoy getting out from behind my desk and going out and patrolling and and stopping and talking to people Hmm. and so that that's the the part of the job that i really enjoy uh unfortunately being the administrator the administration part causes me to sit behind my desk a whole lot yep and so uh it's not uncommon for me on Friday nights, on Fridays. You know, my Fridays are typically about a 19-hour day. <clears throat> Excuse me, why Friday? Well, uh, on Fridays, I'll work in the office if uh, wrapping up the week with uh, administrative things. And then on uh, Friday evenings, I'll uh, – usually Fridays is a dress-down day for me. I'll wear some khaki-type pants and a button-up shirt. But I'll go home and I'll put the uniform you see me on with wearing now. I'll put that on. I'll put my gun belt on my full belt mm. and I go work patrol and mm. I'll back up the deputies. I'll take calls and, uh, you're doing that now like on Friday. Yes. Why? Well, that's my job. My job to do the patrol. Sure. My job is to be all encompassing. Mm. And so not only just the administration side of things, but you know, Green County historically, you know, they, they like to see their sheriff. They like to, to see them out and about. I like to be out and about. So it works good for me. Um, you know, my, my wife, it's our, that's our date night, Friday nights. Mm. She will come, she'll get in the truck with me. We'll go get a bite to eat. And then we go hit gravel roads and take calls, go to wrecks, the whole nine yards. And so she, she's right there with me and she likes to, she likes to joke that, uh, that's when she has my undivided attention is <laughs> when she's got me holed up in that truck. I, mean, I had no idea that you were still doing Petro. Is that something that, um, is expected of any sheriff or is that just kind of unique to you that you're like, I feel like that should be expected of every sheriff. I can't speak for other counties or other past sheriffs. To me, uh, to me, it's expected. I'm just wired that way. Uh, If you, if you've elected me to be your sheriff to represent law enforcement in Green County, then my idea is that you should see me out there being a law enforcement officer. And so, Mm. Uh, it gets me connected to the to the citizens. It allows me to stop in and say, "Hey, you know, are you guys having issues with anything around here?" Mm. I'll get some information. You know, if we need to extra patrol that area, if we need to 
work it for speeders or whatever we need to do. You know, that's the information that I like to try to gather while I'm out and about. Are there any issues uh, that you've discovered um, that you didn't know about before you took over? I mean, just as in regard to the county itself, not necessarily like to your position, but in in the county, like areas that you're like, oh, like, yeah, this is something we need to, we need to key in on that I wasn't aware of. Or if not, like what are some of those bigger issues, the things that are the more common issues that y'all are seeing? Well, you know, and this happens countywide, citywide, statewide. You know, you have thefts, you have drunk drivers, you ha- you have all the things that we've always had, mm-hmm. and and so the the unique challenge in a county environment is things are so spread out, things are so isolated and rural. So where I may have a farm shop in this location, it may be 15 miles before I see the next one and, or, or any residences or anything like that. So it's, it's very desolate in some parts of the county because it's, we're, we're an agricultural county. So a lot of our land is farmland, especially on the east side and the west side of the ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so getting to all those little nooks and crannies, getting to all those uh, churches out in the, in the, the gravel roads and, and farm shops and things like that, we, it's, it is a challenge. Uh, you know, I remind people all the time, Green County is 581 square miles. Mm. 31 or so of that is the city of Paragould, and the rest of that is county. It's a crazy thing about And, you know, you don't realize, as a citizen, you probably don't realize how big this county is, but from a responder aspect, if I'm north of Marmaduke on, on a 400 road and I got to go to Laredo, it takes me a minute to get there. Oh, for sure. Even running with the lights and the siren on and, and driving quickly, it still take you 25 minutes. And a lot can happen in 25 minutes. A lot can happen in a minute. And so just the fact that, that we're such a large county and there's so much to patrol, so much to keep an eye on, mm-hmm. uh, it, is, it is difficult. And it, that is what makes us unique from, say, a city uh, a city department or, or city organization where, where everything's more tight knit and easier to get to. And if it's in the county, uh, this may be an ignorant question, but can't the police also work that or do they work that? Have they like historically have they worked that? Is it just like, no, like that's the county's job. It's in the county. Take care of it. So if it's a routine call, uh, just a routine report, you know, we'll take, we're going to take that if it's in the county. Uh, it may take us 30 minutes, 45 minutes to get there. We're going to go take that. If it's an emergency call and we feel like, hey, this, the Paragol PD is a whole lot closer or Marmaduke PD is a lot closer, we'll ask for their assistance to, to get there initially if there's something like a fight going on or something that's life-threatening. We will take that scene over when we get there. They're helping us to, to prevent loss of life or something like and that. How does that communication work? Like, how are you communicating to, if it's like, so, so walk me through that. You find out it's an emergency situation and maybe someone like, uh, you know, the police, Marmaduke, whatever they can get to before you, how does that work? Simply getting on the radio and saying, dispatch, have Paragol PD respond to that. Dispatch, have Marmaduke PD respond to that. Because as you remember, all of our dispatch is in one building. So city dispatch, county dispatch, EMS dispatch, all fire dispatch, all dispatch is in one building. Hmm. So they're literally literally sitting beside one another, and they can say, "Hey, get a PD unit over there, get a Marmaduke unit over there," uh, and so it's uh, it's very handy. What has been um, 
it's obviously it's just been three months. What has been the thing you've enjoyed the most? I think you hit on this a little bit with the people, but what have you enjoyed the most? And then what is going to take the biggest adjustment uh, as you've stepped into it from where you sit? What I've enjoyed the most is being able to affect change. You know, I'm sitting in a position where decisions that I make impact others, impact the department, impact the county, impact our citizens. And so being able to take an issue, go through all the my thought processes, and, and make a decision on what I feel would be the best, you know, that's what I enjoy. I'm a, I like to problem solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like putting a puzzle together, mm-hmm. trying to put all the right pieces in the right places. And so that's what I do on the daily is it's always – there's always something going on where I've got to sit and put my thinking cap on, as they say, and mm-hmm. uh, and make decisions. And it's all day, every day. I mean, there's not a time during the day that I'm not sitting there mulling something over or or having to make a decision on something. Yeah. And so the second part of your question uh, is the jail. You know, I come from a, a municipal police department where we didn't have a jail. So I didn't have to manage a jail. I didn't have to deal with with the daily operations of that. And, and, and inheriting a jail on top of the law enforcement part of it is, has been a real challenge. Thankfully, I've got... From just the administrative standpoint? Just from the administrative standpoint. You know, thankfully, I've got some great command staff members, whether it be my chief deputy, Shannon Anthony, uh, who, I, who I kept from the previous administration. Shannon and I have been good friends for a long time, and, and, I, and I trust him with everything I have. Um, so he, he's the second command of the sheriff's office. And then, uh, you know, I brought Sheila Robertson with me from the PD. She's, mm-hmm. she was there for over 32 years, uh, as the jail administrator. Uh, I knew that she would be a valuable asset in that position, uh, just with her work ethic and her, we want to do things the right way mm-hmm. type attitude. She and I mesh very well together. Uh, and then the second command of the jail is the, is Jacob White. He's the jail supervisor, Jacob uh, previously worked at the jail for like nine years uh, and had left for a while and uh, very, very knowledgeable about jail operations and, and what's required from jail standards. You know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball game is, you know, making sure we're in compliance with jail standards, making sure that we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's. And so he's strong in that area. And so working all together, all four of us together, it's been a, it's been a whole lot easier because that team is there. How many inmates do we have at the jail right now? We're usually around 370. Okay. That's more than I thought. Is that about where we want to stay at? Is that where we want to have more than that? Like We could technically house more than that. Uh, you know, right now we're housing inmates for Clay County. Their jail is under renovation. It's been okay. closed for a, a few years now. And so they're they're trying to get it back up and running. So we average between 40 and 60 Clay County inmates alone. Okay. That we're housing currently. And then what is it? Um, let's see. Steve Franks was talking about this whenever he came on. Um, explain how this works to those listening. Like, so we we take in certain inmates um, that we make money and we bring them in. Can you explain that process? Like, what, what is that about? So what we're what we do, and again, this carries over from from Sheriff Franks's era. We house inmates for the U.S. Marshals, and so. Right now, we, we typically hold between 110 and 125 or so uh, every day. From the U.S. Marshals? Yes. 
Now, how does that work? Explain that process. So the U.S. Marshals, the federal prison system doesn't have enough beds. And so instead of building more, instead of the Bureau of Prisons building more facilities, they contract out to local departments in, in every state to house their federal prisoners. So, so we have federal court in Jonesboro, and we have federal court in Little Rock. So there are two federal courts in our, this area. I think there's maybe one in Fort Smith as well. Uh, but they, uh, we transport every day back and forth to Little Rock for them to get to court hearings. Wow. Uh, and the marshals reimburse us for that. Any overtime they reimburse us for, mileage they reimburse us for. So, I mean, we're, we're being reimbursed for medical, medical costs. We're, we're being reimbursed for mileage, officer pay, the whole nine yards when we're dealing with our prisoners. And then plus making money, right, on top of that? Yes. Yes. The, the current, and that's the pro, right? I mean, that's why we do it. Yes. Uh, the, the current rate is $70 a day per inmate. And so that, that equates typically between, depending on how many you hold, about $2.5 million and, and $3.2 million a year. Wow. So essentially what you do is you, you make your jail self-sufficient in that way. So those, so the funds that, that ordinarily would have been earmarked for the county jail are able to be dispersed to other county. The county general budget, they can disperse funds to other departments to help them out as well. So we're, we're, uh, we're a pretty big cog in, the, in county government as far as revenue is concerned. Is it your responsibility to, um, to think through ways that we actually can uh, not just like Think how I can say this is it is it your responsibility to think through ways that we can actually enhance the lives of the inmates once they are out of jail, or is it more just like hey, make sure you provide a safe spot for them to land where you know they are no longer a threat to society, and then once they're off your hands, you know, or out of the jail, no big deal. Like it's not really your thing. Like does that make sense? I guess like what I'm, what um. What I've always wondered about is like, is there things that we can do? And if so, like whose responsibility is it? Things that we can do to help maybe stop some of these cycles. Cause I know from talking with Don Crinton and talking with others, a lot of these men and women who are coming through are second, third, maybe sometimes fourth yes. generation yes. Um, inmates. They're repeat offenders, right? So it's like, I, I guess I'm just curious like, are there programs out there that are being looked at or things that we can implement to try to help? stop some of the, I guess, the, the cycle. Uh, so it's funny you ask that question. I just uh, had a meeting uh, earlier this week with a, a very diverse group of people uh, regarding uh, peer support recovery specialists, uh, incorporating those into the jail, uh, incorporating uh, programs like G getting GED established, a uh, yeah. program established in, in the jail, because we currently have a work release program that, that uh, is very, very beneficial. The, uh, we have uh, organizations here in town, uh, K&L Holdings, or what used to be Peerless, Greenbrier. They will hire these inmates. You know, we typically, they get sentenced to 120 days in our facility. Mm -hmm. Typically, they are uh, non, they're nonviolent offenders, so they may be, you know, drug arrests and things of that nature. And uh, we will uh, allow them to go to work. We have a work release coordinator and two work release workers that get them to and from work. They get paid like anybody else. Mm. Now, the kicker to that is part of their their payment from the factory or whatever they're working uh, gets applied 
to their fines. They yeah. have to pay to be housed. That's good. They pay us $15 a day to house them. And so it's kind of a self-sufficient thing as well. But it also, when they're done, they have the the ability to have a, a little, what I would call a nest egg there to help with a deposit on an apartment or a house, a deposit for uh, utilities. Mm. So to help get them a leg up, they also are still keeping their job after their release. So if, if they choose to keep working, um, they're able to do that. So they, they keep their job. They also have the money to help them get start reacclimated, restarted. Um, now, sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. You know, the recidivism rate, you know, is is somewhat high, especially when it comes to drug offenses. Uh, even though they've been, they may have been in jail for up to a year, even more than that. There's the aftercare part of things is where I feel like we are lacking, uh, and that's what's causing the revolving door. Yeah, and so. Um, with the, the 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 peer specialists trying to incorporate that, and and we're looking at grants to help help deal with that to to have them on board to to help these these inmates with ac- uh, acquiring their driver's licenses. Their their like even as they get out, or this is like while they're in. So th- it kind of does both. It 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 holds them accountable. Obviously, they're being held accountable while they're inside. Sure, but start getting them prepared to transition to being out to hopefully keep them from reoffending and going right back through the system again. Mm-hmm. So if, if we can, if we have somebody to hold them accountable after, because once they're out of our custody, I, I have no authority or jurisdiction over them. But if they've got somebody they can talk to that, that they can relate to, because these peer specialists are former addicts themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they are trained in, in, in how to help. They have gotten clean themselves, have been clean for, for a long time. And they are, they, they can relate and understand what, they mm-hmm. the inmates are going through because yeah. they were there once too, and so so looking at doing something along those lines to help curb the recidivism rate yeah. of, of our jail. Of our jail, uh, I know uh, Lawrence County, the sheriff over there, they have a program. They have a on-site peer recovery specialist over there. So so it's um, it's something that I definitely want to look at because at the end of the day, and I don't think anybody would argue me with me when I said this, what we've done the past. 30, 40 years is not working. Right. You know, we have to change and adapt how we look at crime, how we look at everything, uh, for employment, uh, from, a, from a law enforcement side of things. We, we just have to look at things differently than we did 15, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, I agree. And that, that peer, peer specialist, is that what you called it? I mean, it's, it's huge because so much of life is about our relationships and you know, a lot of these men and women that I've talked with that have cycled back through, it's just like, yeah, I've got, I'm, I'm protected. I've kind of got a, a group around me right here that can kind of keep me accountable, like you said, but then I'm right back into the exact same group. Exactly. And there's just nobody, you know, I, heard, I once heard someone say that poverty is not necessarily the absence of resources, but it's the absence of like healthy relationships. Sure. You know, of just like, you just don't have that person you can call on, that person you can depend on. And so it's like, it's easy for you to say, stay clean or whatever else, but I don't even know anybody that's clean. Right. You know? And so I well, love that. We become a product of our environment. Of hundred percent. You know, when you look at, and I know you did counseling services in the past right. and you still do. So, yeah. uh, you know, you look at kids growing up and I, and I saw this when I taught dare at the police department, when I, when I'd go to these schools, I would see kids that I dealt with their parents. 
and unfortunately the statistics say that I'll deal with them and and I have. Yeah. And more than likely we'll deal with their kids and sure. it, and it will it just keeps on going. And so we become a product of our environment. So we have to be able to we have, we've got to throw a monkey wrench in that process somewhere and redirect it. Yeah. And, and so you know, nobody likes change, but I feel like we have to start looking at making changes and how we look at crimes, especially like drug crimes. Um, they get addicted, they get hooked, and it gets a hold of them. It won't let go. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to figure out a way to throw a monkey wrench in that and see what we can do to, to curb it and hopefully reduce the recidivism. I love your thinking that way. I, I'm curious as you look forward to the rest of this year and just the time that you'll be serving in this role, what are you most excited about as far as maybe implementing other, um, implementing some of the change, some of just the vision, the ideas that you have, like what gets you most excited right now? I I think just being more, more public, more, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about transparency, Uh, you know, good, bad or indifferent. If, if it happens, it happened. We need to, we need to roll with it and go on and, and, and own it yeah and, and so obviously we want to do good things we want to we want to be out be members of the community we want to be we want to be seen we want to be approachable mm. you know we want to be an asset to this community uh we're human yep you know in case anybody didn't know when i got up this morning i put these pants on the same way all the rest of y'all put your pants on <laughs> one leg at a time you know uh and the only difference is mine's got a i got a gun on my hip and a badge on my on my chest so and my pants are a little tighter than yours yeah well i if i don't quit eating at some of these get togethers <laughs> i'm, I'm going to have to get some bigger pants uh but uh but i mean that's we we want to be approachable we want to be upfront and we want to be transparent because that's what that's what society expects of us yeah. you know we as law enforcement officers, we we chose to live in a glass house. Mm. Nobody made us. We asked for it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to act accordingly. You know, yeah. we have to be we have to be those people that set the example for others. Yeah. For sure. And I love the idea though that you're willing to be transparent about the fact that you're a human, you know. Sure. Because to me, like I it's hard for me to trust someone who never um who does it's hard for me to trust someone who doesn't appear to have any flaws and it's hard for me to trust someone who doesn't appear to make any mistakes um and i know that's really hard when you're in a position like you're in it's hard for a position i'm in and but the the truth is i think if we're being honest we all know that we're imperfect people oh, absolutely. But there's no perfect people including those in leadership and political positions and especially political positions i think more and more people these days like we we just it's hard to trust authority figures, you know, and because it's just we've been burnt so many times by that scandal or whatever else. And it's like, I greatly admire the person. It makes me move closer to someone and trust someone more whenever they're like, hey, like they just show us the human side of things, you know. And I, and I just want to commend you for that because I think that's one of the things you have done very well. Like you are um, – yeah, you're very human. Like, you know, you come in here and we're going to joke and it, before we even come on the podcast and at times, like, you know, like you have nothing in writing in front of you. There's no, no like script of like, all right, man, we got to stick on this nope. to make myself look good. You're just kind of like, we're just going to have a conversation. Roll with And it. wherever it goes, it goes. And I think like, to me at least, man, it just, it doesn't make me respect you any less. Like it makes me respect you more and it makes me more proud to have you as a sheriff. And so I just want to encourage you and 
those listen, if you're in those leadership positions, don't be afraid to be vulnerable and to be transparent. And there's a side of it where as well, like if you're not appropriately vulnerable and transparent, if you can't be, then there's, you know, you can't air all your dirty laundry on and publicly and we shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that either, whatever. But there, there needs to be a level of that transparency or vulnerability or it just gets exhausting to oh. any time we put on whatever for you, it's uniform, whatever to be like, Oh, I've got to be someone I'm not like, no, be Brad. You and, know? and that's, and that's probably the biggest the biggest takeaway for me on things is is I did not when I took office I didn't want to be the, any different Brad than I was at the police yeah. department or when I'm out at Walmart or when I'm off duty what you see is what you get mm-hmm. I I'm I like to be approachable I like for folks to be able to feel comfortable coming to me and say hey I got a question for you mm-hmm. I don't mind answering those questions because uh, people have them though I get calls all the time hey you know, and they're they're wrapped around the axle about something, and because it's not something they deal with all the time, and and it's like a huge deal to them, and and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, well, I can fix this in about thirty seconds with a phone call, you know, or I can answer their question and, and calm them down in, in a minute or less, uh, because it's something I deal with every day mm-hmm. that I don't see as being a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, and but it's just needing that reassurance from. For them, it's needing that reassurance from somebody that, that knows how the process works when it comes to legal matters and mm-hmm. or criminal matters anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so to me, that's my job as a public servant is is I'm here to serve. I'm here to yes. calm the fears or address issues. And you know, the frustrating I say frustrating the the upsetting thing from from an enforcement standpoint is sometimes I don't give you the answer you want to hear. Yeah, you know, and and I'm I'm just not going to try to beat around the bush or I'm not going to lead you astray or whatever. I'm just going to tell you how it is. And, and now obviously do that tactfully and diplomatically. Yes. But there's times that I'm not going to give you the answer that you want. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm going to be straightforward with you regardless. Yeah. It's honesty is yes. what you're talking about. And yes. I think like it just shows that you're to me, that's where like it, it produces more confidence. I have more confidence in you when I see you lead in that way, because it shows me you're not leading from anxiety. You're not leading from this place. It's like, I just need everybody to like me because the person who can't be like transparent about their, their weaknesses or their flaws or their mistakes. Um, you can trust like there's, there's not an honest person, Sure, you know? And so therefore it's like, yeah, you're going to tell me whatever I need to hear, but then you're not going to go do it. Like you're just doing my face going to say it. And I love that about you. Like I'm going to be honest in times that's going to be, Make you like me more. But then other times it's like, yeah, you might not have got the answer that you wanted. But here it is. I'm just telling you the way it is. Yeah. And, and you know, for some people it gets – it's it's difficult to – people don't want other people mad at them. And, yes. I, and, and I'm no different than that. You know, I, I don't like it when somebody's unhappy with me. Yeah. But there is no – this is not utopia. This is not the perfect world. This is not going to ever be a place where 100% of the people in this county like me. Yeah. And I, you're in the it, wrong. I'm in the wrong business yeah. uh, for that to happen, and and I'm okay with that. You yeah. know, people ask me that. Well, how do you, how do you sleep knowing that people don't like you? I said with the fan on, slightly cocked toward bed. <laughs> that's yeah. how I sleep. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that that sounds crude and, and harsh, but that's not not how I mean it, obviously. But but I can't sit there and dwell on that every minute of every oh, day. Never sleep. I would never sleep, yeah. and I would be a. Uh, uh, ball of nerves all the time and I just can't do that Uh, I'm going to take the information that I have and I'm going to make the best decision that I can make and if it's something that that is 
not the right decision. I'll be the first one. I've told my I've told my employees, you know, there's going to be times I'm going to institute some sort of policy, or we're going to do we're going to change how we do X Y Z. If it flops, I'll be the first one to stand up and say, "All right, boys, that flopped. Yep, let's back up and punt and do something else." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, because I'm not always going to have the right answer. I'm not always going to make the right decision. Yes. Uh, because again, it goes back to me putting my my leg my legs in one leg at a time in my pants. It's the same principle. Uh, I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a book I think it's written by Jim Collins years ago called Good to Great. He talks about what takes a company, what makes a company go from good to great, and basically what keeps a company from falling is humility. Yeah. And if you have humility, you're going to continue to learn and you're going to continue to grow, and you're not going to be afraid to fail. Absolutely. Which is what it sounds like is like if you're afraid to fail, like you're not going to be able to lead no. very well. Because the truth is, yeah, you're right. Like we're not going to always make the best decisions. You're not going to always, you know, get it 100% correct. But you're going to learn from it. Absolutely. And you're going to get better because of it. Because of it. That's yeah. Right. Uh, Brad, I know there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, but why don't we move into some rapid-fire questions? How let's about rock and roll. See if your answers have changed since the last well, time. Well, let's see. All right. Question number one. What is the last show or movie you watched? New Amsterdam. New Amsterdam. Okay. Do I know? I don't ever heard of New Amsterdam. It's actually uh, based off of a book, and you ought to I ought to paraphrase the uh, the title. I just got I just ordered it to be honest. The book? Uh, yes, I just got it in. Uh, life and uh, twelve patients, life and death at Bellevue Hospital. Is is what the life the, and death at Bellevue Hospital? Yes. What's it about? It, it's about uh, New Amsterdam is the television show that was uh, on for about four seasons. Okay. And uh, it was about a doctor that was brought in to be the medical director of the the city of New York's oldest public hospital, and making changes to to benefit and better health care for people, because in the past it had fallen off, uh-huh. and, and it was all about money, this, that, and the other. And so, uh, interesting show. It's it's got some interesting plots and and. Some things that I don't necessarily true story or not true story. It's based off a true story. Okay. Now I'm sure it was embellished for television. Sure, but uh, I'm about to start reading the book, so we'll we'll see. Are how you that a big goes. reader? I am. Okay. When I've got time, which I have zero of here lately, but yeah. I love to read. I love to. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, you know I've got. I'll put leadership quotes all just about every day, every morning. That's how I start the day, and and I explain that in a post. I don't do that. The only reason I do that is for me. Now, if it helps somebody else, great. But it's it's to remind me to uh, to hold myself accountable hmm. and, and make sure that I practice what I preach. Yeah, but I, I, love, but I, but I love reading. I got experience seeing you read. Yes, when you we did. were at the Paragold Primary. Uh, I don't know. It was a book night or whatever. Yes, and uh, several people there to read books to kids. And I'll say, Brad was the best book reader of the book wow. readers. My son loved it. Look who apparently is trying to work his way onto the uh, Green yeah. Planning Patrol by sucking well, up to you. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I, I, car. I have to give I have to give my wife some props because I've watched her read to our kids, and she's a very animated reader, and she likes to emphasize, you know, if it's a if it's a an excited uh, quote or a statement in the book, she she emulates that when she's reading aloud. And uh, so she reads. You've her. learned from her. I have learned from my wife. Giving credit where credit's due. Absolutely. Did you pick that book out that night, or was it assigned to you? I did pick that book. That yeah. was a that was a book that I read to my daughter 
What was it? Giraffes Can't Dance. That's a great book. That's a great book. Love that book. And I I would read it to my daughter all the time. That's a good one. Favorite band? Hmm. You know, I'm pretty, if you ask my wife, she hates riding with me because I'm, I'm pretty eclectic when it comes to music. I'm all over the place. It may be. Other than rap, I'm not a rap fan, but okay. uh, it may be classic country one minute and Bob Seger the next when it when my playlist is on. But uh, I'm a big Bob Seger fan. I, I, Bob that, Seger. That's, that's the same answer I've given. But uh, Is it? I See, I, I couldn't remember who you mentioned. You're about transparency, so we'll go back and fact check you. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bob Seger. Uh, give me one song I need to listen to by Bob Seger. Oh, I like, uh, there's a song called Manhattan. Okay. Uh, and it's a it's about a uh, it's about drug addiction and how that ends up badly. So it's a yeah, it typically does. Yes, uh, end up in death, and uh, so it's a Manhattan by Bob Seger. Manhattan by Bob Seger. All right, I'm gonna give it a shot. Okay, what's your favorite meal? Chicken and dumplings. That's the same answer no, that I, I do. Remember I, I, I always give. Amen. So we didn't ask you this last time. Favorite dessert? Oh, how about that one? Didn't see that coming, did you? One that's sitting still in front of me. I'm I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty uh, across the board on those. I I don't turn down much. Okay, all right, fair enough. What is on your nightstand right now? Uh, remote control, and uh, that's about it. I can think of right now a lamp. No gun. No. Okay. All Not right. there. I'm. Just, uh, that surprises me, but I'm sure you got some hidden somewhere. That's all we'll say about that. <laughs> uh, speaking of guns, this is not a rapid fire question. I was talking with Jimmy Gore, oh, day, one Jimmy. of our mutual friends. Yes. And, uh, he said that his dad has built a massive shop in the back of their house. You know, he's always a big gun guy. Oh yeah. JR. Massive. Yeah. Super he was saying it's got two, two holes in the back of it because he was just trying to gun out and just shot it at the, at the back of the shed. And I was like. That sounds like a typical J.R. Gore. That, that, so, does. that I, does. I imagine. I, I imagine you though, as uh, someone who's been the the field as long as you have, that you have a collection of guns. That's all we'll say about that. That's all we'll say about it. Okay. <laughs> Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Just getting up every day and getting to go to work. Mm. You know, uh, you know, my my family obviously is the, is the top. Uh, and being with them and getting to spend time with them. But, you know, when I became the sheriff, that, that's always been a lifelong dream of mine. Hmm. And I've accomplished that. And even on the hardest days that I have, and I've had a few, to be quite candid, I still love getting up, mm-hmm. putting this uniform on, and going to work and trying to make a difference. That's that's a, that's a highlight of my day. Now, my day may, may go south quickly, but at the end of the day, I know I'll be ready the next morning to get up and do it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're someone who is definitely, it seems to be uh, in their sweet spot, you know. And so you've, something you've longed to do for quite some time, something in this field. It's just, yeah, you're passionate about it. And there's nothing like being able to do a job that you feel like you were created to do. Well, it's that it, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. 100%. Not that, like you're saying, they're going to have hard days. They're going to have hard days. But the passion but the good outweighs the bad. Absolutely, man. That's Every day. It. Well said. Last question. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? I am deeply grateful for two things. Number one, my my family putting up with my 
busy schedule. Mm. You know, I it's incredibly busy. Uh, my phone rings, both of my phones ring all the time, and uh, and my family allows me to do that. They allow me to do what I do. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to have to jump up, suit up, and go into work in a hurry at eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Mm. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to get home late. It's not uncommon for me to get out early. Uh, I got called out at four thirty in the morning during during a storm to help, and so. Uh, they allow me to do that. The other is that the citizens allow me to do that. They elected me to be able to serve them and, and do this job. And, uh, you know, I promised during the campaign that I'd give 110% every day. And I, that's exactly what I do. Uh, I'm not so sure some days aren't 115% sometimes is what it feels like. But, uh, but, but they've hired me to do a job. And they've hired me to do the job to the best of my ability. And that's, I don't... That does not go unnoticed by me that, that they trust me to do that. And, and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my job and do the job that they paid me to do. And, I, and I'm very thankful and grateful for that opportunity. Well, we're thankful for how you are serving us. So you're doing a great job. Thank go you. treat yourself to some uh, chicken and dumplings sometime soon. I man. think I will. Well deserved. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on, Brad. Thank for the you, third guys. Time. All right. And Brad Snyder has left the building Brad, thanks so much for coming on. Always good to have someone return, but not just once, now a third time. Mm-hmm. Big competition between him and Josh Agee. Yeah, it's going to see see who wins. Um, hey, if you're still listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Glad that uh, you uh, tuned in this week. We really do this uh, for you, and so... We want to encourage you, if you've not already done so, please check us out. You can go to paragoldpodcast.com. We're also on uh, several different social media platforms, primarily Instagram and Facebook. And if you've not done this, is it Apple, iTunes? Oh, it's for Apple. Go to Apple um, and give us a five-star rating on the Paragold Podcast. That allows people just to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people living right here. So, as always, thanks for listening. Until next time.